Welcome back to another in our ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. We are now beginning the final parakel Masachet Yivamot, which continues on the theme and topic of reports that a husband has died and how that affects the wife, Yivama, etc. And we are at the beginning of Daf Kuf Yod Tet Amud Aleph. In Yitz Hashem, this this uh, chapter will be completed over the course of three podcasts, at which time we will celebrate with the Siyum. Uh, as some of you may have noticed, I've already begun podcasting Masechah Ketubot, and uh, therefore Ketubot will always be about a week ahead, if not more, of the uh, the uh, international schedule. In any case, the Mishnah. So a woman's husband and her co-wife, meaning his other wife, went off to Medinatayam. And the report comes back that the husband has died. We know nothing about the other wife. She can't get married. Why can't she marry? Because they had no children, and um, the husband died. If the husband died as is, with no, no children, then she has to have Yibum. And she also can't have Yibum. Why? Because perhaps the Sarah became pregnant and had a child, and therefore she cannot have Yibum. Uh, and so until she finds out, because, and we'll see if there's any time, time, uh, automatic time lag on this, uh, that perhaps that Sarah was pregnant. Now, Haitala Chamot, let's uh, do a different case. Let's say that she has a mother-in-law, and she has no brothers-in-law. In other words, her husband is an only child, and her husband goes off with the, with the Tzarab, and there's also a mother-in-law who went and traveled with him. Eina Chosheshet, there's no reason that can be concerned that the chamot, the mother-in-law, became pregnant and had a child who would be this guy's brother. And then when the guy died, there's a brother for her to fall to. If there was no brother when she left, or when the husband left, then if the husband dies, she can marry out. However, Tanakama says that if the mother-in-law went on the trip pregnant, then she does have to be worried. Rishur says even in that case, not chosheshet. Good, so let's take a look. Parenthetically, in the um, in the middle of the Mishnah, in explaining the reason for the first rule, it says, Perhaps that Sarah is pregnant. My heat Sarata, so the Mara asks why that language. That's teaching us that you only have to be Choshesh if that Sarah. You don't have to worry that the husband in the meantime married another woman, and she's pregnant, and had a child, etc., etc. So in other words, it's only this Tzarah. So for instance, if you had a circumstance where the Tzarah was uh, beyond the age, or for some other reason was not capable of getting pregnant, then you would not have any, uh, any concern, or if the husband went off alone, you would not have any concern that he married another woman and had a kid with her, and therefore there, she's not able to have Yibum. Right, good. So now, Lotin HaSev Lotin we said in that case she could do it either. So I understand why she can't have Yibum. Dilmami Abra, perhaps that Sarah is pregnant. The Kapagabeshrachtoraita. And what's going to happen? If this woman accepts Yibum from her brother, where really the, her dead husband had a son because the, the Tsara was pregnant, then she's violating Eshrach. say Amai. But why can't she marry out? Let's think about it. Nashim. Why don't we just follow the, the, the norm, which is most women, most women who are married, are able to get pregnant and to give birth. 
the husband had a tzara, who now going to assume for argument's sake was a new wife, and uh, and they went off. Chances are pretty good that she became pregnant and had a child. That's the rope. So Lema Reb Meir he dechayes from Yuta. So it must be, we could argue that our mission is authored by Reb Meir, who is choshesh lemiut, which means Reb Meir takes into account even a minority probability um, in calculating how we have to deal with the halacha. So since there is a possibility that that Sarah also didn't get pregnant, therefore she can't marry out. Now if you take Rabbanan, the answer here is even Rabbanan disagrees with Meir may agree here. He asked the Rabbanan about the Ruba. When did the Rabbanan say that you have to follow only a rove? The Ruba, the Ite, come on. That's when the rove, when all of the pieces are in front of us, and we can make a demonstrable probability calculation. Zon, Tesha Chamiot, like the famous case of the, uh, of the ten stores, none of which sell kosher meat. You find meat, uh, on the street, you follow the rove. The Sanhedrin. You have a Ruba, the Leita, come on, when you have a rove where the players are not in, in front of us. So then they don't go follow they don't follow the rove, and therefore they will agree that you have to be Khoshish for the possibility that this woman did not get pregnant, and therefore the woman who is still stuck at home may indeed still be Zakh because the Kukul Eve woman can't marry out. Ah, is that really true? The case of a katana katana, ruba the ita kaman, leita kaman, it essentially means, uh, literally, a rogue that's in front of us and a rogue that's not in front of us. But what it means halakhically is a rogue where all of the pieces are in front of us and we can calculate and see that 60%, 70% go in a particular way. As opposed to a rogue of behavior or a rogue of, uh, of eventualities, uh, which it's in front of us until they play out. So, for instance, we know that most kids grow up to be normal, fertile Children, the normal fertile adults. Good, so now we see that when it comes to a katana katana, which is a ruba deleta kaman, nonetheless, even there, the rabban followed the road. The tanya, katana katana lochotzin v'lomiyabin, we had this earlier. A katana katana, according to the Rameer, says that they cannot do chalitz or yibum. Amel Rameer, so the rabban said, yafeh amarta she'in cholzin, we understand why they can't do chalitza, because ish ktiba parsha, Right, then, uh, so the nechwat has to be an ish, an adult. And we understand also that you're comparing her to him, and therefore she also has to Why can't they have yibum? After all, yibum, you don't need that, and yibum doesn't say ish about it. doesn't say ish in either case. So Mayor said back, the reason I say a katan cannot to Yibum, is because he may eventually turn out to be a Saris, which means he was not only the Yibum, and then violating a Shirach. Tana, the same thing, Shemati Matzai Alunit, so maybe the Tana will turn out to be infertile, and then she was Ptura. So, and now, by the way, those things are both highly unlikely, and yet they do happen. And therefore, Evin Su Pogim Be'erva. Right? Rabban Sabi, Zobat Arubat, the Tanim, Rav Tanim, Rav Sirusin, you know, Zobat Arub Tanim, Rav Tanim, Rav Tanim, you know. Rabbanim simply say, follow the robe. And the robe of boys is they turn out not to be a Saris. The robe of girls, they turn out to be an irony. And so here we have a robe of Galeta Kaman. The robe is not in front of us. It's a robe of eventualities, not of, um, not of demonstrable quantities. And nonetheless, the Rabbanim still say, we follow the robe. And the robe of Tani turn out to be okay, so we do even with the Katan, it's fine. So we must say that our Mishnah is authored by Rameir and only Rameir, meaning that the Rabbanan would not agree 
that the woman cannot marry. The, the Rabbanon will say, since a rove of the women get pregnant and have children and that live, therefore the Tzalat, when she went off with the husband, we assume by now she's already had a child, and therefore when you find out the husband died, you can marry out. That's what Rabbanon would say. Now, uh, the Mayu came to correct mayor, you're claiming that we are, that the Mishnah is a mayor, Ema Seifa, look at the end of the Mishnah. Uh, if she has a mother-in-law, she has, doesn't have to be choshesh, and remember, the, their husband had no brothers. The husband went off with Sarah, and the word is the husband died. But if the mother-in-law went off with them also, or went off somewhere else, we don't have to be worried that the mother-in-law had a son in the meantime, and therefore she's kukali avam. If it's a mayor, a mayor should say, I am choshesh for that, because I'm choshesh l'miut. Why don't we follow the robe? For rov nashim, it's a rov yoldot. Most women do get pregnant and have children. Miut mapilot. And a minority of them miscarry. Mechola yoldot mechtas chayim mechtana kevot. And anyone who does give birth, half a male, half a female. So what do you have? Smoch miut the mapilot. So you have the minority Nagid 10% of miscarriages. Lemechs and the Kibot, add that on to the Nagid 45% who give birth to girls. Remember, if the mother in law gives birth to a girl, there's still no evil. It's only if there's a brother born. So again, if you have uh, 10% of the miscarriage, so then of the 90%, 45 are boys, 45 are girls, that means that only 45% is a chance of a living boy. 55 is a chance of something different. And therefore, uh, um, so now, if it's really a mayor, he should say, well, I've got a 45% possibility that she gave birth to a boy, therefore, uh, you, um, therefore, you have to be choshesh. And why does the Mishnah say, you're not choshesh? So it must be that our Mishnah is not a mayor. No, we defend it. We say, because once she was already muhzeka, because after all, when they left, they left with um, her husband having no brother. And so therefore she was muhzak as muterat lashuk. Once that happens and the word come back, comes back and her husband dies, then we're not going to go as far as to be chosher. So even her mayor may agree in that case. Um, now, reisha de'ichzak yibum t'yabem. Alright, so now, let's think about the, the, the implication of that. You're saying that you're following her chazaka, meaning... What was her status before anybody left town? So in the second case of the Hamot, we say her status was Muter Lashuk, because she had no brother-in-law. So we stay with that. So how come in the first case, where she had a brother-in-law and a husband, and now the word comes back and the husband dies, why don't we just go with the Chazaka and say she should have Yibum and not assume something to have changed in the family structure? The answer is Nachman, I'm Rabbi Avu, I raise you the Easter Kari, Chashashu, say for the Easter Lavo Chashashu. He makes a very simple, sl- simple split. He says, if we have somebody who is not supposed to be with her, if we have somebody who is muhzeket liyibum, muhzeket bezika, and indeed she does have yibum, but we were wrong that she's going to be violating a karet of eshirach. If on the other hand we have somebody who's muteret lashuk, and we were wrong about that, we violate the law of the Easter of Yivam lashuk. So that's why we're more stringent in the case of the of the Reisha, we say she can't have Yibum, even though the Chazaka really should militate in its favor. Uh, Amar Rava. So Rava had something, he said a few doctors of the same sentiment. This, by the way, is a sentiment that's not shared by many of them, Moraim. Because they do distinguish 
between the severities of, of, of acts, and the, the severity of the punishment for certain acts, as indicating that that act is more significant. But Rava says, no, once it also, it's also the right to, what I care if it's a karet or a lav, either way, I should either be choshesh or not be choshesh for the possibility that things have changed and her previous status should not be kept. Rava. So Rava has a different explanation by why we distinguish, and in the ratio we don't allow her to have yibum, but in the sefer we're not choshesh. Reisha chazaka liyibum verubal ashuk. Let's think about the Reisha. In the case of the Reisha, she had a brother-in-law and no children. And therefore her chazaka was, now if her husband dies, she has yibum, she's muhzak of yibum. And now the rove, on the other hand, is lashuk, because in most circumstances, that Sarah is going to have a kid, and therefore she'll be part of the yibum, and what's the shuk? Now, the chazaka lo adif kiruba. The chazaka is not as strong as the rove. And now remember, if the tsara does get pregnant, there is a possibility, a small possibility, that she'll miscarry. So, so take that mute of mapilot, attach it to the chazaka that she was, basically you got a 50-50 uh, possibilities here. They knock each other out and she can't move, which means it's equally possible that she is kukali because either that Sarah didn't get pregnant or she did, she uh, she miscarried and lost a child, and uh, and this woman was muhzeket liyibum. On the other hand, it's equally possible that she's asurah liyibum because likely that, that Sarah got pregnant, had a kid, and the two balance each other. The chazaka plus the mute against the rove balance each other out so that um, so that. She can either do even when he's doing. However, Seifa Chazaka Lashuk Veruba Lashuk. After all, the Chazaka that she had was that she could marry out because whenever they started, she had no brother-in-law. Plus, the robe is Lashuk because the robe is that even if her mother-in-law got pregnant, chances are that she would not have a boy. She may have a girl and she may have a, a nephew. And therefore, her robe pushes her in that direction. And so now, the Havadah is Zacharim, Miyuta, the Miyuta. Now, the possibility that the mother-in-law would have Zacharim, it now becomes a mute of a mute. And because there's also a Chazaka working against it, a Miyuta, the Miyuta, Mayor. In that case, even her mayor would agree not to be Choshesh. Good. So now, in the, in the Mishnah, we said, Lotan HaSeg, Lotan And we said, Uliolam. Uliolam? Right, the Gemara asks, what, for how long does this woman have to wait? When she hears that the, the husband and the Tsar went off, the Tsar disappears, and the husband is reported as dead. How long does she have to wait before she can marry? Say so she can't marry to Yibum now. So, Remember, in a case where a woman herself is a, uh, gets a chalitza, let's say, she has to wait three months before marrying somebody else to see if she's pregnant. And now that it, we're talking about not the fact that she's pregnant, but that her co-wife is pregnant, she has to wait nine months. In other words, we may wait now nine months. Evidently, we have information about the tsara. And if uh, by the time, nine months after the time that we heard the husband died, we don't hear about the birth of a child, we assume that Sarah didn't have a child, and now she has Yibu. Okay, and now the Chalitza Monashach, what does she do at the end of nine months? She does Chalitza either way. Meaning, if the woman had Yibu, had a child then this chalitza is unnecessary. If, on the other hand, the woman didn't have a child, then the chalitza releases her. And either way, she can now go marry. Of course, the one caveat is she can't marry Cohen in case the chalitza was a real chalitza. Now, that's the Ziri. Rabbi Chanina, Marla, Atzvah, Shlosha, Lachavar, Talei, Olam. 
He says, yeah, for a woman herself, she waits three months between one marriage and the next. Um, however, as far as this is concerned, she can never remarry. Why? Uh, the Tafel Tzaman of Shach, why don't we allow her to do what Oziri suggested, which let her have to do Chalitza. Miman of Shach, it's good. Because perhaps we'll later find out that the Tzara, three years later, we'll find out that the Tzara had a proper kid, a live kid. And then what's going to happen? This woman's Chalitza was nothing, which means she can marry a Kohen. And then we have to publicize that the Chalitza was nothing and she can marry a Kohen. Maybe there'll be somebody who was there and saw the Chalitza, but did not hear about the Chalitza. And they're going to come in, uh, to the conclusion that a Chalitza is a lot of Mary Kohen, because they see somebody that they thought had a Chalitza marrying a Kohen. Now, we have this in, in the, at the end of the previous parak. If a woman testifies, I went off in the Atayam, and there I had a son, and she left with a husband and no children, and she said, my son died, I had a son, the son died, and then my husband died. In a minute, we believe her uh, to say that she is now If she says, my husband died, and then my son died, which would then allow her to the shuk, because that goes against the chazak of who she was when she left. But we're concerned nonetheless that what she may be saying is true. So why aren't we concerned, if we let her do chalitza, why aren't we concerned that maybe Adim will come later and just and confirm what she says, which is that her husband died first, then her son, which means this chalitza was nothing, and she can marry a coin. And then you have the same problem that you got a kuzakuna, but she will not have. There will be people who were not at the who were at the chalitza, not at the cruise, and see Mary Cohen, etc. So, so if you say Rochanina that we do not allow this woman to ever marry because if she and and we don't give her chalitza the amount of shach because if we give her chalitza and it turns out she didn't need it and she marries a coin, etc., etc. How can you say that? After all, in this case, we do let her, we do have her do a chalitza. Why aren't we concerned that somebody will come back and say she was right and didn't need the chalitza to marry the coin and there'll be somebody who doesn't know about it? We mock the chalitza the coin. So our papa, the grusha, our papa says, that case, talking about a woman who was already a grusha, which means there's no way she can marry a coin. She's already out of the parish of marrying a coin. And therefore, there's no concern. So, uh, gives a different answer, and he says, this is talking about a case where the woman testifies that she, her husband, and that newborn son were hiding in a cave, and nobody ever saw them, which means there is no possibility of aiding, that are going to come and say, because after all, we're doing everything based on her testimony, that those people, that she had a son, and he died, and the husband died, there, but there is no, but the, the way that she presented the testimony, there's no way that any witnesses could come and testify, therefore nothing's going to change. She'll always be in this state of limbo, that we believe, don't believe her, but we're choshesh, Etc. And therefore, there's never going to be a cruise lacuna. Good. Okay. Uh, the next Mishnah. Mishnah Bet. Shteyevamot zuomer meipali vizuomer peipali. So you have two women married to brothers. And they, each one of them, they were on a trip, and they each come back and they said, my husband died. They don't testify about the other man, but they testify about their own husband, that he's dead. Zu asuram neibalash zu, zu asuram neibalash zu. Here's the conundrum. 
Woman A comes back and says, my husband, husband A, died. She's believed vis-a-vis husband A. And therefore, and as far as it affects her. And therefore, um, she could marry out. The problem is that they have no kids, and she has a brother-in-law, her husband had a brother. And now, woman B, in the meantime, is coming and saying, husband B, that brother died, but that statement doesn't affect woman A, and vice versa. So therefore, woman A cannot marry because of the possibility that husband B is still alive, and vice versa. Um, now, let's, play, let's riff off of that statement. Let's say that one of the women comes and says, my husband died and have witnesses. And she has witnesses. The other one doesn't have witnesses. Strangely enough, the one who has witnesses is Asura. Because the witnesses confirm what she says about her husband, but we've got no testimony that she can use about her brother-in-law. He may still be alive. The one who doesn't have witnesses, she can marry out, because after all, her own report helps her insofar as we believe that her husband is dead vis-a-vis her. And the Aedim testified that her brother-in-law is dead. She's free to go. Let's say one has sons and one doesn't have sons. It's easy. We're going back to our first case, of course, where each woman comes and says, my husband died. The one who has sons is muter. The one who doesn't have sons is asura. Now, let's say there are two other brothers, brothers C and D. And so the wives, A and B, had Yibum with C and D. And now let's say C and D died. They're still sort of to get married because, again, the, the each one's original, A and B, might still be alive vis-a-vis the opposite wife. In other words, A is dead as far as Mrs. A is concerned. But as far as Mrs. B is concerned, A might be alive, and therefore, they're still a living brother somewhere. Rezermer disagrees and says, since we were mocked to these women to the Avam, to C and D, therefore we say that now we are assured, or we're accepting that the A and B are both dead, and they can now marry out. Good, so now the Mishnah, the Gemara expands on this. It says, Let's say one of the wives, in our case, has a deen, that testified that her husband died, but she also has sons. Well, if she has sons, right away she's Mutera. The other one has no witnesses, but she also has no sons. But, um, because the one without witnesses, remember, her own testimony has her husband dead, and her, the other wife has Adi. And so therefore, both men are dead as far as she's concerned. The fact that she doesn't have sons doesn't get in the way. Now, that's the quote of the end of the Mishnah. So Rabbi asked, my why does Abelazar say what he says at the end? But since these women are mutter to marry the Yivamin, and I'm mutter to everybody once the Yivamin died. Does he disagree with the entire premise of our Mishnah, which is that a tsara can testify on behalf of her, of her co-wife, or uh, another wife who's involved. Um, and therefore, um, the testimony of woman A about her husband also becomes true vis-a-vis woman B. Or maybe it's because a woman who acts based on testimony in a way that if the testimony was false would endanger her, we have to accept that it's true and therefore it can be true for everybody. 
Right? The man Kamina. So what's the difference between those two approaches? Well, in Suba and Tsara, to let the Tsara marry before this woman herself testifies, uh, marries. In other words, a woman comes back from Dina Tayyam and says, My husband died. The question is, can the Tsara marry before this woman marries? If you hold the Rebbe Lazar holds, that a Tsara can be made for her, for her co wife. Even though the original wife who testified didn't yet marry, we can allow the Tsara to marry. Or if it's the opposite way that you say, the other way that you say, the reason that we believe her uh, in this case is because she's not going to mess herself up. In other words, um, once we see that she marries based on this testimony, we can tell that she really knows that the husband is dead. In that case, um, in in if this woman actually marries based on her own testimony, then we allow the Tsar to marry. If not, not. So what, how do we understand Rabbi Lazar? My Toshua, We quote Rabbi Lazar at the end of our Mishnah. It says, since they became mutar to other men, they became, to the other men, they became mutar adam. In other words, since the woman acted based on her own testimony, therefore we believe that it's true because she wouldn't mess herself up. So it's the second direction. Alright? It's since if we take the approach that she's I mean, not that she's necessarily got credibility that affects her Sarah, but since she won't endanger herself, and therefore it's only because she already married the Yavan that we say her testimony about her husband must have been true. But if it's because a woman can testify for a co-wife, Nami, that it should even be that she didn't necessarily have to have even with C. She should be believed according to Rabbi Lazar, even in the Reisha, about for her other wife. You shouldn't have to wait until she marries based on that testimony to allow the other wife to, to use that testimony. So we see that Rabbi Lazar's reason is because by marrying, she demonstrated, because she wouldn't hurt herself, she demonstrated that what she said was really being true. But not because we uh, blanket believe her, the answer is actually no. And as Rebbe was responding in his wording at the end of the Mishnah, and he used to silence at the beginning of the Mishnah because he was responding to Rabbana. Meaning, according to me, I think a Tzara could testify for her co-wife. And therefore, even if the Tzara, if the wife doesn't marry yet, we can marry the Tzara. Ah. But you guys, you are At least you should agree with me that if the wife does marry, the tsar can marry. She's not going to hurt herself. So what did Rabbana answer? We think that a woman is going to testify falsely that her husband is dead just to mess the tsara up, even though she herself will suffer along with her, just as Shimshon died when he brought the building down and uh, the Temple of Dagon, and killed all the police to belong on himself. So, Toshma, Isha Shacha, he involved in the Vava Mame Pali, Tina Sevati Tok Tubata, the Tsarata Sura. Rabbi Lazar Mer, who try he, who try Namit Tsarata. So, we see that, Rabbi, that here's a Brita, in which we take an earlier Mishnah that says, when a woman comes to Niatayam and says, her husband died, she can marry, she can uh, collect the Tuba, and her Tsara can't do any of that. And Rabbi Lazar disagrees and says, once she became mutar, the tsaraz mutar, which makes it sound that as if Rabbi Lazar takes the position that we believe her about the tsara. She doesn't have to marry. 
No, maybe what it means is, since she was mutarit and she married based on that, then we're going to believe her. Ah, wait a second. Maybe, even if you accept Rabbalah's principle that a woman will not testify and thereby endanger herself, and therefore once she marries, we see that, she, that it's really a valid testimony. Who says? Maybe secretly she got a get. And she's coming back and saying the husband's dead. And now she can go marry somebody else. But she can really marry somebody else because she got a get. So, And so maybe she said the husband's dead. So that the tsar will go marry somebody else. The husband will show up and then she'll be Tsaras. In the meantime, she can marry somebody else because she has a get. So, you're right. If she married Yisrael, that would be the case. Our case is where she marries a coin, and therefore it's clear she's not a grusha. And because we accept the principle that she's not going to mess herself up just to hurt her tsara, that's what belongs to Shita, therefore she's believed that the tsara can also marry. So, everyone should have a wonderful day, and we will get to our penultimate podcast of Masachet Yivamot in the next opportunity.